Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Wow, good morning, good morning. Wow, thank you, team. Uh, Something is happening here this morning. I know you all just saw me move that table, and then you think I'm really strong, but it's really light. Okay, so welcome. Good morning, Crosspoint family, and you say... Good morning. Awesome. If you're just here for the first time today, my name is Micah. Uh, I am the assistant pastor here at Crosspoint, and we're just so glad that have you join us. Uh, You're among friends today. We just want you to know that. Uh, Today we are beginning a series about restoration that we are calling RE. R-E. Cool, hey? And so today we're going to be remembering together. So let's do that together. Simply put, we believe that God's great and final work will be the restoration of all things. And in the meantime, he wants to work a restoration in us. And so we're going to spend the next six weeks uh, talking about and challenging you to be kind to yourself and those around you by letting God begin a restoration work in you. The kindest thing you can do is participate with Jesus in his work that is happening in you, in your life. And so we're going to jump right into it. So if you have your Bible or your smartphone or your bulletin insert, I'm going to get you to turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Or you can follow behind me on the super screen behind my head. And we're going to read Galatians 3, verse 1 together. And Paul is writing a letter to the church in Galatia. And he starts with a humdinger. So verse 1, can we read together? You foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed as crucified. I would like to learn one, just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it was really in vain? So again, I ask you, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Wow, Paul, go easy on us a little bit. Can we just pray before we continue? Pray for the hearing of God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, you restore the weary. You soften the hardened and you free the bonded. We believe that today. And so today, I ask that we would have ears to hear what you would have to say to us. Start something new in us today, we pray. So we can experience more of your power. We thank you for your patient kindness. We love you. Amen. We love you. Let me ask you something. Have you ever heard of the forget-me-not flower? Have you ever heard of that flower? The myosotis flower is a simple-looking flower, and it has petals like the ears of a small mouse. And have you ever wondered, 
how it got its name? Some of you are like, no, not at all, right? I'm going to tell you anyways. So the Scottish poet, um, William McGonagall, made the small flower uh, just famous by this poem he wrote about uh, the forget-me-not. And so in the poem, it recounts this tragic tale of a knight named Edwin and his soon-to-be bride, Ellen. And so one day, they're, they're, they go out on this romantic stroll on the beach. And, and as they're walking by the water's edge, Ellen starts to wonder if Edwin is true to her. And to prove his love without even thinking, Edwin jumps into the water to pick for Alan flowers that were on the other embankment of the river. And due to his heavy armor, he drowns in the process, but not before tossing the flowers to his beloved Ellen and with the parting words, forget me not. This immortalized the Myosotis flower as a token of remembrance, a memento of Edwin's love, an emblem of his complete devotion. His heart was hers. You know, the superstitious among the English believed that wearing a forget-me-not was protection against the enchantment of witches. It would become customary to present a forget-me-not when someone was embarking on a journey. With, and so they, if they would face trickery or, or wit, wickedness or forget what's truly important. So now every time the forget-me-not is offered, it invites us to remember. It bids us to not forget you see, you see, memories, they have the power to shape our current experience. Think about, think about your first kiss, or maybe your, your first broken heart, your first bike ride, that relationship your parents had when you were a child, or the, the harsh words of your peers when you were in grade school. Remember that. We know that memory has the power to change everything about our future. And sometimes when we look back, we can see the way forward. And in the same way, remembering the cross of Christ shapes our lives today. For, for Paul, it was like the Christians in Galatia had forgotten the gospel of Christ that he had so clearly taught to them. Paul's concern is great. He's desperate. And his response is swift as you have read. And he urges them to remember the gospel. And so today this brings two questions to mind. First of all is, where does remembering take place? And the second question is, what does remembering the gospel look like for us today? And so we're going to start with the first question. Where does remembering take place? You know, in the Hebrew culture, and thus much of the biblical context, the heart, or in the Hebrew, the levah, is believed to be the very center of the human person. The heart was considered the seat of emotion, the origin of thought, or the place of our deepest desires. So when you were overcome with joy, it was your heart that leapt with joy. And when you hurt your neighbor, it was your deepest desires that broke their trust. And so when you refer to the heart, at least from a biblical perspective, we're talking about the concept of the heart, when we talk about the person, our person, what we think about, what we dream about, 
what we feel deep inside, and so what we treasure above all. And the reason that this concept is so important is it's because the battle to remember the gospel is waged in our hearts. You know, according to the biblical authors, the heart was considered deceitful above all things and beyond cure. You know, King David begged God to create in him a pure heart. The prophet Isaiah pointed out that God's people came with their words, but not with their hearts. They, they knew how to say the right things and to follow all the rules, but they didn't give God their hearts. But today, the good news is that God promised that he would intervene, that he would restore our hearts, that he would take the rock-hard heart in us and produce a soft and fleshy one. That we wouldn't forget his commands and his benefits, but in fact, the law of God would be written on our hearts and it would bear testimony, witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. God will restore our hearts. So in his letter to Galatians, uh, Paul is dealing with the symptoms of the heart. And so he is baffled by the Galatians' recent behavior. Some teachers, some Jewish teachers in Galatia had convinced these impressionable Gentile Christians that they needed to keep the Jewish law, be circumcised, and somehow belong to the right family in order to have favor before God. Talk about painful and unrealistic expectations. Can you, can you relate to that? Can you relate to the Galatians? Have you ever uh, felt like you had to work to gain God's favor or other Christians' favor? Has someone ever told you to do something in order to feel righteous before God? Maybe you can uh, relate, maybe you can't, but let me, let me give you some examples. Let me give you four signs that your heart has forgotten the gospel. Number one, you may have forgotten the gospel if you think you've arrived. You have forgotten the truth of the gospel if you think you've achieved some certain level of elite spirituality and you become impatient and intolerant of the imperfections of your believing brothers and sisters in Christ. You've forgotten the gospel. Number two, you may have forgotten the gospel if you serve others out of a sense of obligation rather than out of love for others. Without the truth of the gospel, it's possible to think that volunteering gains us favor with God. But when in fact, God couldn't love you more than he already does right now. Wow. Number three, you may have forgotten the gospel if you feel powerless to resist evil. This is a good one. It is so easy to forget that through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we can live free from sin as we rely on the Holy Spirit for holy living day by day. And finally, you may have forgotten the gospel simply if you are impatient with your friends and you harbor anger with your spouse. The gospel points out that we need to extend forgiveness just as we ourselves have been forgiven. But not with Paul. Paul, Paul encourages us to not forget the gospel. He invites us, in fact, to remember the gospel. So let's, let's answer our second question now. What does remembering the gospel look like? And so Paul gives us three keys to remembering the gospel, and the first one is this. 
Number one is deal with your darlings. Remember our love struck Edwin? He was so bewitched and just bewitched by his darling Ellen that he would die for her. Let me ask you, who or what is the Ellen in your life? Who has bewitched you? Listen, you know, your heart belongs to someone. Your thoughts are captive to a certain worldview. Your emotions are tied to some memories. Your heart desires what it holds dear. And if, if your heart does not belong to Jesus, someone else is going to wreak havoc there, distracting you from the truth. There's a war being waged right now in your heart to remember. And Paul is urging us to evict all distractions and remember the good news of Jesus. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? You know, Paul is using this Greek word, abaskinin, which means to be bewitched or fascinated or given false representation, to be fooled. And these Judaizers had presented the Galatians with a false gospel that would invade their hearts and distract them from the truth. You know, and Paul implies that these distractions need to be dealt with, these darlings need to be dealt with, or we'll forget the gospel. You know, in Homer's Greek uh, epic, The Odyssey, he describes the adventures of Ulysses during his return to Ithaca from the Trojan War. And Ulysses' journey is, is plagued with shipwreck and mystical islands and sinister monsters that extend their journey by 10 years. I don't know about you, but 10 years seems like a long time. The Mediterranean is not that big. Floating around there for 10 years. And on their voyage, Ulysses and his men sailed dangerously close to the shores of the land of the Sirens. The enchanting songs of these mystical, magical creatures were known to bewitch sailors with desire. The sirens would lead sailors toward jagged rocks, and tales tell of distracted sailors singing as they sank to their watery graves. Aware of the sirens' curse, Ulysses wanted to remember his destination, home, Ithaca, so he ordered his men to stuff their ears with beeswax, and he had them tie him tightly to the mast of the ship so he would not forget. The sirens swarmed their ship and began their song, and some were serenaded overboard as they drifted past the island, while Ulysses dipped briefly into madness. You know, Ulysses was prepared to deal with the demons that lie there. So let me ask you, in your personal journey, what is getting in the way and pulling you away from your path? What distractions cause you to forget the gospel? And like Ulysses, what are we tying our rope to when the sirens come to bewitch us? Paul tells us to tie it to the truth of the gospel, to remember the gospel. So what you remember right now is important. What you focus on will shape your current experience. I'm not saying that you can forget everything that you've ever uh, done or everything that's ever happened to you, but what I am saying is that you have the power to remember. We can consciously choose what we meditate on. We can make God's truth supreme overall. 
So push aside the experiences that would distract you from the truth of the gospel today. The internal voices that would tell you that you are not worthy and that you're not good enough. The thoughts that would tell you you're not worthy of love. This is a battle for your life and you cannot forget. If we are to take the gospel to heart, we need to level the playing field. God wants your whole heart. If we want to truly embrace and experience God's restoration, we need to remember the gospel and dispose of every other distraction. Now, if the gospel is remembered, the good news includes the coming of the Holy Spirit. The second key that Paul gives us to remember the gospel is that we should recall his spirit. Remember the gospel is this invitation to re-engage your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The good news includes the Holy Spirit. We can pick up where we left off and continue that relationship. It's like finding the phone number of a friend who you've fallen out of contact with. The Holy Spirit can continue a work that was started in you when you first believed. So that, that good work that began in you all that time ago, all that you have endured would not be in vain. You know, Paul says that in verse 3. He says, are you so foolish? After beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? In other words, Paul is saying to the Galatians, are you just going to leave this unfinished? Have you, you have this broken relationship with the Holy Spirit, and now you're living in fear. Was it all for nothing? How can we remember the gospel today, friends, if we avoid the main character of the good news? The good news is that while we were still sinners, Jesus loved us. He conquered sin and is in the process of making all things new, including us. That's good news. And how is God doing that now that Jesus has went away? He sent his Holy Spirit. And Paul reminds us not to forget the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is part of the good news. He teases, now will you finish in the flesh what the Spirit has begun? And if you want to remember the gospel today, live in it. If you need to spend some quality time with the Holy Spirit, do it. Start by remembering the gospel and by acknowledging that he's there. Let me, let me explain what I mean. There's this funny little phrase going around uh, in the millennial groups today, and the term is ghosted. Let me, let me tell you what it means to be ghosted. Let's say you meet someone new, uh, like a new friend or a romantic interest. How scandalous. You begin hanging out and exchanging communications. You may even go on a first date. But out of nowhere, this exciting person seems to fall off the face of the earth. They're not at all the usual spots, and they stop answering your calls and your messages. They be have become a ghost, a memory, someone you used to know. They have ghosted you. Has that happened to you? Don't put your hand up. We're not here to embarrass you today. But obviously, you didn't have the relationship you thought you had. I want to tell you today, though, it's not so with the Holy Spirit. He was there from the beginning, and he wants a relationship with you now. I'm telling you today, remember the gospel. Do not ghost the Holy Ghost. I like that, too, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. 
You know, when, when you first believed, the Holy Spirit moved in. He started this new thing in your heart. The best relationship started that day. And by God's Spirit, you moved from spiritual death to spiritual life. And God had so much in store for you. But at some point, maybe your heart was fascinated by another by a career or by a bank account or your reputation or your passions or these desires, someone or something bewitched you. Let me tell you today, don't walk away from the Holy Spirit. I spent a good part of my adolescence walking away from a very real relationship with God, walking away from what he had to offer me and what he was doing in me. Ever since, I've been catching up. Ever since I came to my senses, when I gave my bewitched heart back to Jesus. You know, was what God started in me back then in vain? No, but could I have moved past some things a long time ago? Yes. Don't wait, friends. Don't wait. Recall the Spirit. Rekindle that relationship Don't live in the shadow of the law. That's like living a life with God, without God altogether. Don't wait. Live in the gospel. Remember it. And if you remember it, remember that the Holy Spirit started something in you, and he's going to finish it. Spend some quality time with the Holy Spirit. Lean on him and seek him for guidance. Now, finally, hearts that remember the gospel are still, still capable of slipping into error. Since the beginning of time, hearts are prone to wander. That's why Paul reminds us the final key to remembering the gospel is that we must keep the faith. The human heart is so vulnerable to all sorts of distractions. You will be enticed by twisted ideas and half-truths that will distract you from the gospel. But if we remember the gospel, we can fortify our hearts with truth. You know, Paul tests the Galatians. He writes, so again I ask you, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? Or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham, he believed God and he was credited, it was credited to him as righteousness. What Paul is really driving home here is the truth of the gospel. He uses this Gentile man as an example. He uses the father of promise, Abraham, to make his point. The point is that a long time ago, before Israel and the chosen people of God, a Gentile man named Abraham encountered the one true God and believed his promises. It was that faith that God would come through on his word that made Abraham righteous. And so it is with us today. We are saved by our faith in Jesus, and we have nothing to offer to our salvation except the sin that made it necessary. You see, the vernacular of faith doesn't include words, words like works or shame and guilt, but we experience the gospel of Jesus, and we know and use only words like belief and mercy and love and devotion and Because of Jesus. Any display of the gospel packaged in the wrong vernacular could be a pleasantly wrapped lie. A Trojan horse. As you can tell, I think Greek tales and mythology are super effective in helping us understand truth. And so if we rewind back to our tale of our hero Ulysses, you can see what I mean. It was the fall of the city of Troy, a war of passion. 
which released Ulysses and his men to return back home to Ithaca. This great siege is responsible for one of the most iconic mythological images of all time, the Trojan horse. You know, the Greek stormed the beaches of Troy after the Trojan prince Paris stole away with the Greek beauty Helen. And after rushing the gates of Troy for months, our hero Ulysses devises a deception to defeat the Trojans. And so the Greek hordes of ships were pulled from the harbor, and the beach encampment was abandoned. All that was left was this creed, crude creation of Ulysses' design. And out of broken ships and driftwood, a giant horse was fashioned and left on the beaches of Troy. The horse, you see, it was, is sacred to the Trojans, and they believed it to be the sign of the Greeks' retreat. And they eventually wheeled this giant horse through the gates of Troy, and little did they know that the horse was hollow and filled with Ulysses' fighting men. And that night, the gates of Troy were breached by thousands of waiting Greeks. And the city was sacked, and the people were massacred. A war that began with passion was finished by a lie dressed up as a truth. A Trojan horse. So in the same way, we will face many Trojan horses in our lives. Things that appear to make sense. But the enemy of your soul has only ever had one trick up his sleeve since the beginning of time, which is to twist and dress up the truth, to make it more or less than what it is. And one of those lies is that we can earn our favor before God. But Paul pleads us to remember the gospel, that we keep the faith, that we tie ourselves to it and remember that it above all things in life. It is the free gift of grace that the church is built upon and all the powers of hell will not breach its gates, but they will try. And so today we heed the wisdom of the writer of Proverbs when he writes, above all else, guard your hearts. For everything you do flows out of it. So friends, I ask you today, I encourage you today to fortify your hearts and build up its defenses with truth. So no Trojan horse can breach it. Keep the faith and remember the gospel. The prophet Jeremiah pulled to mind the truth in hard times. And if you've read uh, anything by Jeremiah, you know that he's experienced hard times. He wrote this. He said, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. King David saying, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I'll remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty works and deeds. You see, bringing the gospel, remembering the gospel and bringing it to mind isn't meant to just give us fuzzy uh, feelings or nostalgic memories. It is to remind us that what was true when we first believed is still true today. Calling to mind the freedom and the power and the relationship that is ours in Jesus Christ. Gospel recollection restores us. The great battle of our lives will be to remember the gospel and remind others. And so, as I invite the band to come up, 
I want to make some quick suggestions to you today of what you can do to remember the gospel. Here are three simple steps to commit to daily. Number one, meditate. Meditate on the word of God. Rip off a piece of it and chew on it. Not, this is not just about reading your Bible, but it's more about having the truth sink down into your gullet, into your soul. The good news of Jesus will make no daily difference to your life if it doesn't break through the walls of your heart and live there. The second step is to wait. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Prepare yourself for his work. Cleanse yourself through confession and present yourself in, the prayer, in prayer and say, come Holy Spirit, come. You know, quality time with the Holy Spirit will allow him to continue what he started. And finally, ask. Ask for miracles. Following Jesus is not always this pre-charted path. You never know what he can do in and through you. Follow his example. Live in step with his Holy, the Holy Spirit and bring every need before him. He invites you, Jesus invites you to ask, to seek, and to knock. Would you consider carving out just a little time this week to take these steps of restoration? And so today, you will find on your seat in front of you or on your seat that you're sitting on a small reminder for your wallet for when you forget to remember the gospel. And I encourage you to take that, put it there, and you never know when you'll need it. Can we pray together? Let's pray as we close. Lord, we call to mind your great mercy and power, which are fresh and new each morning. We thank you. We commit your great promises to memory now, and we will call upon them in times of need. We're just absolutely amazed by you, your great love and your mighty deeds. It's more than a memory. There's freedom and power available for us today. We ask that you would soften our hearts and implant there an everlasting truth of the gospel. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray this and ask this. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.